Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's, uh, let's see. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25. Get ready to start here. Genesis 25, verse 7. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for taking all that time to inspire the writers of your Bible so that they would have just the perfect words for us and help us to receive them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 25, ladies, come in. Okay, uh, here we are, all right, Genesis 25, verse 7. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, 103 score and 15 years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost, died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zoar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt by the well now, these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bare unto Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names, according to their generations. Firstborn of Ishmael, Nebajoth, and Kedar, Abdiel, and then Mish- Mibsam, and Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hedar, Tima, Jetir, Nafish, and Kedema. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their towns, by their castles, 12 princes, according to their nations. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 130 and 7 years. He gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people. And they dwelt from Havilah unto Shur, which is before Egypt, as thou goest toward Assyria. And he died in the presence of all his brethren. Okay, now, in our last study, we saw how Abraham's life was drawn to a close after 180 years. Abraham gave up the ghost in verse 8, died a good old age, an old man, full of years. We saw that uh, he gathered to his people. We saw two wonderful things about Abraham which spoke of his past and his future in that verse. See, Abraham's past, in verse 8, told us this wonderful truth that Abraham was full. And remember that the words of years is not in the original. That's why it's in italics. So as the Hebrew word here, sabia, is translated full, it means satisfied. Abraham was satisfied. Abraham was content. He had godliness with contentment, which was great gain. And when Abraham came to the end of his life on earth, and he's just about to begin his life in heaven, we can see Abraham now turning back, looking on his life of earth, looking out over the years, and saying, sabia. He's saying full. He's saying satisfied. I have been Sevilla satisfied in life. He could say that because God made him satisfied in life. He could say that he took and he drank of the water that the Lord Jesus Christ offered to the Samaritan, a gift of water at the well when he told her in John 4, 13 through 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And the water that I shall give him, see the emphasis is on give, give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Abraham took that gift of water 
and his heart was never thirsty again. See, Abraham was sabia. He was satisfied in life because he could say he took that water. He could say, I took the bread that, 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 that was a life gift that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of in John six thirty five when he said, and Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. See, Abraham took that bread of life gift, and and his heart was never hungry. His heart was never thirsty again. See, this comment in verse 8 is very important because it shows that Abraham, being the sabiah, full or satisfied, shows that at the end of his life, looking back over his life, he's in that state. And then in the last part of verse 8, we can see Abraham now turning from thinking about his past over his past life on on earth and now looking to the future. He has a future. And those are the last words in verse 8 where it says that he was gathered to his people. See, from here, it gets much better for Abraham. Abraham looks now to his future in heaven of being gathered to his people. And we can see Abraham, as as, as he's looking there, we could just see him. In the words of Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, which says, And by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tents and tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So Abraham turns from looking over his past in verse 8 of earth, on earth, life on earth, and he says, I'm satisfied, I'm very sabia, I'm very, very full. And he looks to his future in heaven, and we can hear Abraham just say, at last, I found what I've been looking for. Ever since God called me, he could say, I've been looking for a city that has foundations, real foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And now, at last, I'm being gathered to my people. I can see the city. And we could hear Abraham say, all my life, I, I've been living in these, in this, in these deteriorating tents of goat skins and other skins because why am I living in these tents? Because I've been looking for the city, the city of God, and these deteriorating tents that I live in are like my deteriorating body. And as I leave these deteriorating tents and I'll exchange the deteriorating tents for a non-deteriorating home in heaven, as I'm gathered to my people, I'm going to leave this deteriorating body of mine and I'll exchange this deteriorating body of mine for a non-deteriorating body in heaven as I'm gathered to my people. See, this is what's going through his mind here. So what's important to see at Abraham's death in the last part of verse 8 is Abraham's past, the comment on his past, and his future. And so from verse 8, seeing Abraham's past life on earth and his future life in heaven, it takes us into verse 9. And what do we see in verse 9? Great, huge company attending his funeral memorial service? No, not really. Two people. We see two people. His sons, Ishmael, Isaac, and Ishmael. It's a very small group, just two. It's symbolic of his life on earth. Compared to this innumerable group of people that he's being gathered to, which, speak, which, which is spoken of in heaven, as it says in Revelation 7, 9 through 10, after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the lamb, 
clothed in white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. See, that's because God has laid up unbelievable things for the followers of Abraham, as it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So when Abraham is gathered to his people, at last, Abraham says, home at last. I'm home at last. So at the end of verse 8, we see a transition of his past life on earth to a future life in heaven. And we can see this, this transition. This David talked about this transition in Psalm 16:6 when he said, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. That's his past. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. That's his future. The same transition from a past life on earth to a future life in heaven, we can see with Paul, as he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, for I'm now ready to be offered, that's his present, and the time of my departure is at hand, that's his present. I have fought a good fight, that's his past. I have finished my course, that's his past. And have kept the faith, that's his past. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, that's his future, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also which love his appearing. See, those three words that Paul described his life, fought, finished, kept. See, those are the three words that spell out determination. It spells out perseverance. So in verse 9, we see a scene we never expected to see. We never expected to see these two people, Isaac and Ishmael, coming together to bury their father, arch rivals of each other. Ishmael had been sent out of Abraham's home. He's a rival to Isaac. And we saw Ishmael, he was mocking Isaac, and Isaac, when Isaac was weaned, and, and he made Isaac's mother, Sarah, hate Ishmael, along with the fact that Isaac's mother, Sarah, hated Ishmael's mother, Hagar. But all that is now put aside as Abraham's two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, sweetly come together to bury their father. It's interesting what God uses to bring people together. You know, I have a friend who is at odds with his wife, and when their dog died, they both cried together, they spent the day after the funeral for their dog going places where they had sweet memories of their dog. And that brought them back together again, the death of the dog. So, so they were brought together, again, uh, to get, uh, brought together over the grave of their dog. And here in verse 9, we see Isaac and Ishmael brought together again over the grave of their father Abraham. Now, in verse 10 is a statement about the place of the burial. It says, the field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried in Sarah's wife. Notice how at the end of that verse, there's a statement of togetherness. We've been talking about togetherness with Isaac and Ishmael. There's a statement of togetherness. There was Abraham buried and Sarah, his wife. See, it's at the end of verse 9, it's making the statement that Abraham and Sarah were buried together. Well, why were they buried together? Because it's a sign that they're going to rise together out of that grave. It reminds me when my wife Cheryl died and how important that was for me to get a burial plot for, for her and me next to her, to be like Abraham, buried together with my wife. I don't know if she liked that idea. Uh, she probably was staying free at last, but now, oh no. <laughs> now, we read in verse 11, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt by the well, the Chiroi. Now, this verse is emphasizing 
that after the death of Abraham, God blessed his son Isaac. See, there's a point here of continuity. That blessing of Abraham is now continuing with blessing of Isaac. So verse 11 is answering a question. What is the question? The question is, has the blessing stopped with Abraham's death? The question, did the blessing of Abraham die with Abraham? And verse 11 says, no, the blessing of Abraham did not die with Abraham. See, we can apply that to our chapel here. As there was a question when Pastor Jim died, did the blessing on the chapel die with Pastor Jim? Did the, has the blessing on the chapel stopped with Pastor Jim's death? In the same way, verse 11 applies to our fellowship. As we've seen, the blessing on the chapel did not die when Pastor Jim died. The blessing on the chapel didn't stop at Pastor Jim's death. Now, there's a particular statement in verse 11 that we want to really focus on and not miss. And it's this statement, God blessed his son Isaac, or just simply put, God blessed Isaac. See, the first point that's made in that verse is that God blessed Isaac. The verse does not say God blessed Isaac and Ishmael. What we understand from that is that the blessing God gave to Abraham now falls on just Isaac as opposed to Ishmael. We want to consider the question of what does it mean when it says God blessed Isaac? And we want to extend that same question to ourselves. What does it mean? What do you think that God's going to do when we ask him to bless us? Oh, Lord, bless me. What do you think is going to happen? When that happens, oh, we can look. When we ask God to bless us, do we mean that God, God's blessing is gonna remove problems in our life? Now we know, verse 11, that God blessed Isaac. So now let's consider Isaac. As we consider the life of Isaac, looking a little bit forward, just keep in mind these three important words, God blessed Isaac. Now I'm gonna read you a verse, and then you're gonna tell me what problem Isaac had there. The verse I'm going to read is, is Genesis 25, 21. So listen carefully, because now after I'm going to ask you. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. What was the problem? Yeah, infertility. So when it says that God blessed Isaac, it did not mean that Isaac had no problems with fertility, with infertility. And now I'm going to read you another one. In, in, uh, in Genesis 25, 32, in verses 34, 35, okay, here you go. And then you tell me what problem he had. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? That was verse 32, Genesis 25. Now verse 34, Genesis 25. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage and lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And now another verse. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, and Bashemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. What was the problem? What problem did Isaac have in his life from those, those verses? It's not a trick question. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. It was family, family, family for sure. He had a problem with a child that didn't love God. He had a problem with the child who didn't love God. So when it says God, he had a problem with Esau. That was his son. When it says that God blessed Isaac, that didn't mean that Isaac had no, uh, had no problems with a child who didn't love God. He did. Now I'm going to read you another one. In Genesis 26, 1, you tell me what problem Isaac had. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and to Gerar. What was the problem? What? 
famine, no food, no food from a famine. So when it says that God blessed Isaac, that didn't mean that Isaac had no problems with lack of food. Now I read you another one. In Genesis 26, 7, you tell me the problem. And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, she's my sister. For he feared to say, she's my wife. Lest said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. What was his problem? Fearful. He was fearful. He was fearful. Whether it was real or, or, or paranoia, I don't know. But he was fearful. So when it says God blessed Isaac, that did not mean that Isaac had no problems with fear. Okay, I'll read you another one. Genesis 26, 14 through 16, and verse 20, verse 27. You tell me what problem. 14 through 16. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him, envied Isaac. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, go from us, for thou art much mightier than us. Verse 20. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, the water's ours. And he called the name of the well Essek, because they strove with him. Verse 27. And Isaac said unto them, wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? What was the problem? <laughs> That's right. In our lives, when God blesses us, we're not going to have problems with Phil. We should expect problems with Philistines. <laughs> okay. Another way to put it is conflicts. He had conflicts with people. And, and so, that, so, so that means when it says that God blessed Isaac, that did not mean that Isaac did not have problems with conflicts with people. Now I'm going to read another one. Genesis 27.1, you tell me the problem. Came to pass that when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau's eldest son and said unto him, my son, he said, behold, here am I. Okay, what was the problem Isaac had there? He had health problems. He had physical disabilities. He had, so when it says that God blessed Isaac, that did not mean that Isaac had no problems with his health or physical disabilities. I'll read you another one. Genesis 27, 6 through 10. You tell me what problems Isaac had. Genesis, okay. Rebecca spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats. I'll make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth, and thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. What was his problem? Sorry? a conniving wife, a dishonest wife who tricked him, otherwise spells marital problems. So when it says God blessed Isaac, that did not mean that Isaac had no marital problems with a dishonest wife who tricked him. So when we look back over the words of verse 11, where it says God blessed Isaac, and then look at Isaac's life, we can see that God blessed Isaac and Isaac had fertility problems, problem with a child who didn't love God, had no use for God, problems from the lack of food, problems for the fear of his life, problems with conflicts with people, health and, 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 and physical disabilities, and marital problems. So with all those problems, verse 11 still says, God blessed Isaac, which for us means God, when God blesses us, it's not going to mean that we're not going to have any problems in our lives. 
as what God's blessing does not mean immunity from problems. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, these things in John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. See, God's blessing, it brings a peace in the midst of our problems, as it says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul says, but thou hast fully known in 2 Corinthians 3, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. Speaking to Timothy, he said, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. See, God's blessing does not mean we will not have persecution, afflictions, and problems, but he's going to bring us through those persecutions, afflictions, and problems. And what we've seen in this little excursion in the life of Isaac's life is that Isaac, with so many problems, we can see, we can see Isaac is going to develop for us into a man of suffering. See, the three patriarchs work out like this. Abraham was the man of the works of faith. Isaac was the man of the sufferings of faith. Jacob was the man of the struggles of faith. And it's interesting, when we think about Isaac, he's the only patriarch with one wife. It's interesting. He was totally satisfied with Rebekah. It says he loved Rebekah. Isaac did not suffer from a shredded heart like Solomon did, where it says in 1 Kings 11:1. but King Solomon loved, says loved, many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. See, Solomon loved many wives, even though God warned through Moses that the king of Israel should be especially careful Don't do that when it says, and Moses told them in Deuteronomy 17, 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. But there was a problem in in, in that Isaac, see the problem is this, Isaac did not romantically court Rebekah to win her heart. Where she, at the point where she fell madly in love with him. You know, she, Rebecca was not going to say the words of Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon 2.5, I am sick of love. She wasn't love sick. She's not going to say Song of Solomon 2.14, let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy countenance, thy, comely, thy countenance is comely. Song of Solomon 4.7, thou art all fair, my love, there's no spot in thee. And Song of Solomon 4.9, thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. Song of Solomon 5, 4, my beloved put his hand by the hole of the door. My bowels were moved for him. And that's, of course, the one that's repeated often, Song of Solomon 6, 3, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. See, Isaac was madly in love with Rebecca, but you can't see that Rebecca is madly in love with Isaac because Isaac never romantically courted Rebecca. He didn't take the, he, he didn't ignite the fires and, and, and of lovesickness in Rebecca and then asked her if she would marry him. You know, there's a time for romantic courtship, and it's not after you get married. It's before when the woman is asked if she'll marry him. But Isaac didn't court Rebecca with romance to light this, this fire of being sick with love and when she fell madly in love with him. That was a problem for Isaac. And whenever there's an arranged marriage, I've seen this before several times, when there's no romantic courtship of the woman to light the fire where she falls madly in love, that creates a problem in the marriage because the wife feels that her feelings of love have just been disregarded 
I know of several couples where this is the case. There are problems. I know of one husband who didn't romantically court his wife, but it was decided by his family and her family that this would be a good wife for him. And today, he, he wants her to be madly in love with him, and he's fallen all over with the I love yous and everything, it's, and he, because he never romantically courted her before they got married. I know of two men who made the announcement to, to, the, to the, the women they wanted to marry when they said, I think it's God's will that we get married. Now, that's not exactly romantic courtship. That, that, that doesn't leave the, the woman with being madly in love. You know, the I think it's God's will that we get married is about as romantic as a sterile draft notice <laughs> saying you are needed in the service of your country. Right? Marriages like that, they can work and they do work, but so often there's just not in the wife the spark of being madly in love. See, when a man falls in love with a, with a girl, he does and says amazing things over the top, you know. I remember Cheryl told me, when I remember doing this, when we were dating, that I told her, I said, if I was a weaver, I would weave a wreath of kisses for the top of your head. <laughs> I thought, and I thought, a wreath of kisses? I thought, not, not bad, pretty good. I, said, I thought, watch out, Solomon. All right, so anyway, there's something to be said for romantic courtship, and I'm not sure what should be said for romantic courtship, but there's something that should be said for romantic courtship. Anyway, so it says that Isaac loved Rebecca. In Genesis 24, 67, Isaac brought her into his mother's tent and uh, took Rebecca. She became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. It never says that Rebecca loved Isaac. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.